I'm your host, as always, Daniel Levy, your co-host, Shaq. We're going to be breaking down UFC Vegas 50 because Tiago Majeta Santos is taking on Magomed and Khalif in the main event. Two light heavyweights with a lot to prove. I mean, Tiago Santos, we're talking about a guy who he's fought the last three light heavyweight champions. He knocked down the current champion, Glover Teixeira. He knocked out the former champion, Jan Blachowicz. And he went to a split decision with John Jones. But Magomed and Khalif on the other side, a lot of people are saying this kid is the future of the division. And if that's really the case, then uh, his minus 500 price tag uh, might should uh, be justified Saturday night, uh, Shaq. Yeah, I mean, and Khalif, I mean, I always had high expectations of this guy since he was making his debut. I know he let everyone down against against uh, Paul Craig in that fight, but he's he's redeemed himself since. I mean, dominating his fights uh, for the most part, even when he faced adversity against Krylov, he uh, he went and got his job done there as well. And Mahita Santos, we already know the deal, man. This is one of the KO kings of the UFC. I mean, we some of the most vicious knockouts. I know you remember that one against. Uh, Steve Boss back in the day. Uh, that's shit, one of wow. my favorite ones of all time. But um, yeah, man, Mahed is a, a vicious, a vicious knockout artist. Hasn't necessarily, um, you know, been the most exciting lately. But I mean, he owes us one. He, you know, that Johnny Walker fight. He, he knows he owes all the fans one. And I, I think we're gonna see the best Mahed on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, this is a guy we've seen knock people out with head kicks. We've seen him knock people out with body kicks, with punches, uh, the whole ordeal. One of the most decorated knockout artists at this point in, in the history of the sport. So it's always exciting when you see him at the top of his game. And with Magomed and Khalif, I mean, since he came to the UFC, people have been saying, like, dude, this guy could be a future uh, champion. And I'm very curious to see if that's if that's actually the case, because one thing I've been talking about, uh, Shaq, is that like when John Jones was the champion, look, obviously he was ahead of his time. But one thing that he really brought to the table, and that's not to discredit his, his amazing technique and his fight IQ, is that he had such a big size advantage over all those guys he fought. You know, he'd have like 10 inch reach advantages. He'd had like four inch height advantages. These guys coming up now, like the Mago Man Anka leaves, like even Dominic Reyes. Now, I know Dominic Reyes now might be damaged goods, but at the time, he was young, uh, undefeated, confident going in there. And, um, you know, I, I just wish that John Jones was around to fight the Ankleaves, to fight the Jamal Hills. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, that's not going to happen. But Lower Teixeira has been doing his, his thing. We got Yuri Prohaska in the wings. Uh, I think light heavyweight is looking pretty damn promising these days. Yeah, 100%, man. I mean, ever since uh, John, you know, was... Uh, you know, had his issues. I mean, the division's kind of been on fire, man. So, yeah. Yes, sir. All right. So, listen, we're going to break down the whole card start to finish. Uh, but before we do, uh, we had to talk about something else. So, Shaq, uh, I know uh, you had something you wanted to get off your chest. So, let's uh, let's just get down to it, man. Oh, okay. Right now. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, look, guys, this is going to be, you know, uh, my last show for a little while. You know, um, just got some some personal life things going on and it's nothing it's nothing too major but sometimes you gotta you know fix things in your in your um personal life to to just you know live a better life mentally man mentally you know physically and all that good stuff so it's gonna be my last show for a while gotta gotta take care of some things and i'll be back man a, a better person overall so you know yeah, and I have no doubts about it. And, and guys, uh, you know, I, I want everybody to understand, you know, Shaq and I, we ain't here beefing. We're, we're in the same room right now. Uh, you know, Shaq, you know, before we did a podcast, 
you know, we are friends first. We are friends during, or we're going to be friends after. And Shaq's always got my support, no matter what he does. And um, I remember the days, you know, in 2017 when you first uh, joined the show, and you know, we were hovering around the computer with no microphone and just talking about our passion of the game. So to see what we've created up until this point, it's been pretty amazing. So I, I want you guys to show Shaq nothing but love. I want the the, the hashtag thank you Shaq trending, and you know. For I know a lot of people are going to be messaging me. Oh, what what am I going to do? Are you going to replace Shaq? I know people are going to be like, oh, let me be your new co-host. And guys, I don't think that Shaq is replaceable. I think Shaq is one of one. I think that not only do we have our chemistry, not only do I love this guy like a brother, but I, I feel like he's got uh you know a level of understanding of the fight game that most people don't. And um you know I, I don't think Shaq can be replaced. So what I plan on doing going forward is you know ha have uh you know having some solid guests doing some solo shows uh you know and the show the show must go on and when Shaq's ready to come back you know the door is always open for Shaq so man we support him to the fullest degree because there's things bigger than just a podcast and talking about fights and, and you know life is the most important so Shaq you got all my support man and uh let's one last ride the two of us together uh for the foreseeable future so let's break down this whole card start to finish my man because first up in the 205 pound division we got a banger we got tafan and chukwi he's six and one taking on azamat mirzakhanov who is 10 and 0 and currently they got azamat mirzakhanov who's minus 190 taking on tafan and chukwi who is plus 165 so Shaq, i i know many people have heard me say on record that you know i don't fade people from the country of russia and i don't fade people from the continent of africa well here we got russia versus africa a lot of pride on the line a lot of skills on the line too um and the way these two fights there's a chance they stand and bang until one man falls so uh, how you kind of see this one going out I mean, you know, when this fight got announced, I, I was excited because Azamat, we know we know what he's done. Uh, I mean, we know what he did to Andre Muniz, a top 15 guy uh, back in the day. We know what he did to uh, Ian Kudalaba as well. And Tafan's one of the, you know, uh, in my opinion, at least one of the, it's still green, but, you know, I think his, his ceiling's high. I think he can be a ring guy at 205 down the line. Um, I mean, this is a showdown. Look, I like Tafan. I think he's got a bright future, but... I think you gotta say Azamat's a little farther ahead, just slightly a, a little more of a smarter fighter, a little more comfortable in there. Um, Tafan is a bull, man. He comes forward, but you know, I still think if you put him in enough spots that you know he will make a mistake, kind of like you what you saw in the um, the park fight. But at the same time, he was cutting a lot of weight. He tried to uh, go to a different weight class. It, it didn't work out the best. But I think Azamat, man, he's just a little more experienced, uh, a little more more comfortable, less mistakes. And I think he's just going to it's going to be a battle. But I just think he's going to point him up for three rounds, maybe even find a finish uh, uh, along the way uh, to find, you know, he kind of does leave himself open, a little predictable. So I'm going to go with Azamat to, to get the win here, man. Yeah, this is a tough one for me because there's a lot of interesting dynamics to the table. Firstly, obviously, yeah, if you watch that John Young Park fight. Um, I get the red flags there, but you also got to take into consideration that Tafan and Chukwi is six and one as a pro, only 27 years old. Also, you know, comes from that continent of the world where these guys can just make ridiculous improvements in short amounts of time. Not to mention, he does have a kickboxing background, so it's not like this guy's some fish out of water. Um, I kind of view the dynamic of this matchup where, you know, Tafan might be kind of the more slower, methodical guy, and, and he's the bigger guy too. And Azamat, 
you know, he might be on the smaller side, but in return, he's going to be the faster guy um, and might have a little bit more takedown upside. So I wouldn't completely count out Tafana and Chukwi. You can never count out the African power, especially with Azamat, who's going to come out here and get in his face and possibly give him the opportunities for those counters. But at the end of the day, I do agree with you. I slightly edge Azamat because of the experience and because I do think he's got other options in case he starts getting clipped on, you know, uh, certain things, um, you know, um, but Tafan's got dangerous counters. I mean, we've seen Tafan knock out uh, plenty of dudes, man. So, but at the end of the day, I'm gonna I'm gonna slightly lean with Azamat to edge it out. It's just you know putting money against Tafan can sometimes you know the guy can give the guy can give you a sweat. But the pick is gonna be Azamat here. Now, next up in the bantamweight division, we got a matchup between Guido Canetti, Argentina's Guido Canetti. He's eight and six, taking on Chris Mutino, who is nine and five. And currently, they got Chris Mutino minus one fifty. The comeback on Guido Canetti's plus one thirty is not Shaq. I have never picked uh, Guido Canetti in a UFC fight before, and you know, later this year, my boy is going to turn forty three. Now, the thing with Chris Mutino is, look, all due respect, the ass whooping he took against O'Malley and he didn't look for a way out so he's got the heart that's for sure it's just i'm not quite convinced that he belongs in the ufc right now but that being said he's got an opponent who does turn 43 next year and who also uh tends to fall off a cliff past the first round now to guido's uh, credit i thought he performed way better against uh mana martinez than i expected i thought mana was just gonna come out here you know starch him in the first exchange and that just wasn't the case. You watch Amanda Martinez regional fights. That dude was knocking people out cold. And, you know, uh, Guido took him to a split decision. But by that third round, I mean, Guido's hands are on, on his, uh, you know, by, by his waist. And he's huffing and puffing as usual. So I do think it's a situation where Chris Mutino gets him past the first round and, you know, po possibly even gets a finish of his own. But, you know, moving forward, uh, I will be looking to fade a guy like Chris Mutino. Um, it's just this specific matchup. I think, you know, hey, you stepped up against O'Malley on a week notice, man, when Smolka pulled out. Like, let's give you this 43-year-old. Let's get you, let, let's let you get your one UFC win. So I'm, I'm going to go Chris Mutino. Yeah, I mean, Kennedy, I think um, when he fights those mid-level guys, he usually gets blown out the water like uh, uh, Kyung Hill Kang, um, uh, Shido Vera at the time, you know, those type of guys. But, you know, when he fights like a little lesser guy, like bottom level guys like Martinez and, um, and you remember D the Diego Rivas fight back in the day? I mean, he and, uh, Hugo Viana, I mean, he can have a, he can have a little success with that left kick. But yeah, man, I mean, he's 43 years old. He gasses out. He's not the, the best with adversity in that cage. I mean, you know, shit hits the fan. Usually Guido, um, even dating back to his, uh, his tough days. I mean, uh, just go back and watch some of those fights. Um, uh, there was definitely stunts pulled as well. So, oh boy, Turbo knocked him out in one. Yeah. So I think, um, I think that Chris Mutino, yeah, he's definitely not the best, and you got to be careful, you know. But I don't think it's that much chalk, to be honest, like, from a betting side of things. Like, I mean, he did show he was durable. I mean, he could take a lot of shots. I thought that stoppage, honestly. Look, he took a, a lot of damage, but, I mean, I thought he could have kept going, to be honest. But, um, I, yeah, I think he's. I think it's going to be a sweat, but I think down the stretch he's going to, you know, break himself away, probably win a decision. But he's, like, very like what's the word i'm looking for not dangerous in a sense but like can move forward for sure like and, and throw volume but 
hopefully that gets to Guido Canetti. But in terms of a, uh, um, you know, knockout shot, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Because that last duty fought, um, Anna Martinez has, in my opinion, is a, a way more dangerous guy. So um, I'm going to go with um, Mutino, but I'm going to say close, a cl- another close decision. Now, next up in the middleweight division, we got a match between Cody Brundage, he's six and two, taking on Dalcha champion Lunjambula, who is eleven and three. And currently, they got Dalcha Lunjambula minus one thirty. The comeback on Cody Brundage is plus one ten. Now, I I do understand why people are taking the underdog shot on Cody Brundage. You know, he does have that D two wrestling background from Newberry. And, uh, you know, Dolce has shown some weakness in his takedown defense in the past. But you guys know how, like, last week I was super high on Bryce Mitchell, went big on him. And, and I've been talking about this angle about these guys that can consistently shoot takedown after takedown after takedown without getting discouraged. Now, I personally do not consider Cody Brunage one of those guys. Point in case he watches William Knight fight. The first, you know, he took him down once, but when the second takedown didn't work, I mean, he, he looked for a way out, and those are not the guys I'm trying to bet on. Look, I'm not saying I'm not sitting here saying he's not going to have some takedown success in this fight. Uh, I, I just think that you know, Dolce is a guy that can dig deep here, and then on the feet, look, the, the punches might not look the prettiest for uh, Dolce, but he does have that African power we've been talking about, and I truly believe if he catches Cody Brundage with one of these shots, Cody's not going to like that man. So while I do think Cody lands a takedown or two. When both guys are tired and it starts to really come down to who wants it more, I think Dolce is the guy that's willing to dig deeper. And for that reason, I'm going to pick him to win this fight. Yeah, I think uh, Dolce, that last performance against uh, Mark Andre wasn't a bad one. He just kind of kind of slowed down the stretch against a guy that's known for his durability. Not the last fight, but, you know, usually is known for his durability. And, uh, <laughs> you know, um, so, yeah, he fought a real technical striker that fight. But I think, uh, yeah, man, I just don't see Dolce. I, I get it. He's, he's a little sloppy and, you know, um, kind of has to fight to conserve his energy a little bit because he is a big muscle guy. But, you know, Cody Brundage, man, from what I've seen is just when things hit the fan that he usually doesn't answer the bell, man. I think uh, you put him in that, uh, you know, a couple of those bad spots, kind of like Misha Serkinov, he might he might look to go he might look to go out, man. So look, he is a big guy, he is talented, he does train at a good gym. Uh, you know, I've been hearing he's training with Jacoby and and uh, Lionheart Smith and these guys. So maybe one one of these days he does man up, and maybe one of these days he does uh, he does he he does you know answer the bell. But I gotta go with Dolce as of right now. I just think that when this fight gets in the in that in that dirty stage, and when both guys are sweaty, that Dolce is going to prevail through. So he's going to he's going to be my winner in this one. Now, next up in the flyweight division, we got a uh, yeah, the flyweight division. We got a match between Sabina Mazo. She's nine and three taking on Miranda Maverick, who is nine and four. And currently they got Miranda Maverick minus 300 or it depends where you look. I see some minus 400s. I see some minus 350s. The comeback on Sabina Mazo is plus 260. So Shaq, both these ladies backs are up against the wall. Um, Sabina Mazo, you know, I think uh, we know what her best weapon is. She loves, she loves to go with that pitter patter to the head kick and Miranda Maverick a little bit more well-rounded here, but both these ladies desperately need a win. So who you got to win this fight? And do you agree with Miranda being priced where she is? Yeah, look, I think, um, yeah, Sabina Mazo, I'm not high on her at all, man. I mean, she lost, she got finished by Agapova, and then she, you know, I actually bet on her when she fought Alexis Davis, and she, I mean, what the hell was that? I mean, she she just looks, I see fear, like kind of what I was saying with Kennedy last week. I, I see fear. I see someone that's not comfortable in there. I see someone that's just, you know, I don't see the effort. I mean, she's got a good high kick, but she's got a, 
you got to throw to to set that up and uh, she's holding back man in, in each one of these fights so I don't think that's necessarily an issue for for Miranda Miranda Maverick, but I will say from the get go, I thought Miranda Maverick is like to be honest, skill wise, I don't think they're that much far apart. Like if they both show up, it's just Sabina Mazo ain't been showing up. Uh, Maverick, she lost to Blanchfield, got dominated there. Kind of shows you the the levels that she's really at. Um, the Macy Barber fight, you know, I know a lot of people think it was a robbery, but hey, I, I bet on Macy Barber. She she uh, got that job done, and I just think Miranda Maverick is overrated. Like, not saying she's bad, but just not as good as people think she is. I don't think her ceiling is as good as uh you know people thinks it is. But I think she's gonna give more effort in this one than Mazo. I wouldn't be shocked if Mazo went around, though. I wouldn't be shocked if, uh, you know, it was a close fight. But I think Maverick is, is going to probably scrape this one out just by Mazo being timid and not throwing and holding back, man. So I'm going to go with Miranda Maverick uh, to get the job done. You know, when Mazo came into the UFC, it kind of reminded me of what, like Lipsky came into the UFC. It was like a bunch of pitter-patter, and then she'd randomly knock someone out with a head kick. Whereas, like, with Lipsky, you know, not much would happen. And then she'd, like, knock these girls out or get an arm bar off her back. Um, so you you know I do like the opportunistic finishing, but when the head kicks aren't landing, man, um, it doesn't look the prettiest. Now you know she does have some size for the weight class. Um, but the thing about Miranda Maverick, and you know I've bet on, um, I've bet on her last three fights. You know the fight against Julian Robertson, I bet on Miranda Maverick. The fight against Macy Barber, I bet on Miranda Maverick, and then the Aaron Blanchfield fight, I bet on Aaron Blanchfield, which I think was still one of the best bets of last year. Um, and basically, you know, where's their confidence at and who's going to come in here with the right approach? Um, I would say if they keep it standing and not, not saying that Miranda can't have any success, but that's where Sabina Mazo might do her best, might be able to kindly slightly edge out the volume, maybe land one of her patented high kicks, which, um, we haven't seen her knock anyone out with it in the UFC. I know she's been waiting to do that. And both, also another thing to take into consideration, both these ladies are only 24 years old. They're both kids. Their backs are up against the wall. So I expect them to come out hungry. I just kind of think that the more physical Miranda Maverick will dictate where the fight goes. And I think she will test her stand-up a little bit. But if that happens to not go her way, she can always resort to the takedown. Um, but I do want to say this, you know, because this is like a minus 350, minus 400 spot. Like, Miranda Maverick, I mean, like, Leanna Jojua, like, was having moments on the feet with her. Like, the Jillian Robertson fight, like, I know Jillian's a black belt, but, like, you know, Jillian took her back for large portions of that fight. The Macy Barber fight got off to a really strong start. And, guys, I bet Maverick in that fight, but the reality of what happened is, is she slowed down as the fight progressed. So you got to take these things into consideration when you're when you're laying a price like that. Um, but, look, I still think she gets it done. I still think she's slightly uh, more physical and has more paths to victory. So I'm going to pick her for that reason. I just personally am not interested in laying that kind of price on Miranda Maverick. Now, next up in the featherweight division, we got a matchup between Damon the Leech Jackson. He's 19-4, taking on Kamuela Kirk, who is 11-4. And currently they got... Damon Jackson minus 115. The comeback on Kamuela Kirk is minus 105. This is actually one of the toughest fights for me to call on, on the entire card, man, because it's like, you know, Damon Jackson, definitely a grizzled vet, black belt in jiu-jitsu, also training out of Fortis MMA. Um, 
this is the last fight on Damon Jackson's contract, so we don't know if he's looking to resign or if he's looking to, you know, move on to other things in his life. I mean, you got to take into consideration this this is going to be his 25th pro fight, and, and if his head's not into it anymore, there's nothing wrong with that. He had a good run. He got to win a couple fights in the UFC. I mean, I know you remember his first UFC run, uh, you know, the, the, the Honey Jason fight and all those other fights he had, you know, that didn't go his way. But, you know, man, he gritted his teeth, went back to that PFL scene, even took a brutal loss there and still rose up. So I always got respect for these guys that can overcome adversity. And in that Charles Rosa fight, I know you're supposed to Char- you're supposed to handle Charles Rosa. And, you know, he definitely clearly won that fight. But, man, Charles opened a serious cut on them. So there's just a lot of vulnerabilities that, um, you know, kind of sketched about with Damon Jackson and with Kamuela Kirk, you could say similar things. But one thing I like about him is, you know, after that Billy Q fight where, you know, he really put it on Billy Q in that first round, but then he kind of tired out. And you know what happens when you gas out against a guy like Billy Q. He will absolutely turn up on you. And that's what happened. And I thought that after a whooping like that, that this kid wouldn't be able to recover. But, you know, I watched some of his regional scenes and uh, some of his regional scene fights, and I think he got his swag back, and and I really liked what I saw. Now, I know the dynamic here is, well, what happens if Damon Jackson takes him down? I don't think the fight's over there, man, and, and I think this is a, a thing where, you know, Kamuela Kirk, yeah, is he a little bit too comfortable fighting off his back and looking for subs? You know, he's a black belt. Does he trust his game a lot? Yeah, but I think this is that kind of fight where they can scramble back and forth comes down you know tooth and nail comes down to the wire so for that reason you know the lines flipped and now kirk is the underdog and i and i think that he's let me just make sure he's the younger guy here i'm pretty damn sure he is yeah he's 27 of course he's the younger guy yeah i i just think the younger hungrier guy look i'm not saying it's going to be a wipeout by any means i think it's going to be a back and forth you know close fight but i'm going to lean with the younger hungrier guy to to just kind of out hustle down the stretch. Even if cardio has been an issue in the past, I think that this is a fight where Damon doesn't push a high enough pace to bring that out of him. This is not Billy Q is going to attempt like 300 strikes in the fight. So actually give me a uh, Kamuela Kirk to come out of here and, and just scrape by this decision. Well, I mean, like, dude, honestly, a lot of dudes make that mistake. You know, when they fight Billy Q, they go to, they go way too hard, like spike and, um, uh, Kyle Nelson and those guys, you know, they go way too hard, start whooping on them, and then, you know, there's another two more rounds left, and, and you know, now they're tired. So Kamala Kirk, I mean, he made an honest mistake, man. He he pulled a rookie move. It happens. I think he might have lost another fight after that. To I'm, that Bruno, Bruno Souza guy. guy. Yeah, that's a different um, matchup. That dude doesn't engage. Yeah, that guy runs away. <laughs> he runs away the whole time. Yeah, but uh, yeah, <laughs> look. Damon Jackson, he, he's a vet, but I kind of like what you said about the vulnerabilities. I think he's a liability to get dropped, and I think he's a liability to get cut and, or possibly leave his neck in. But look, he does have a good takedown game, and he does and he does get takedowns in his fight. So I, I, I understand that angle um, with him. You know, if you did get a better price on him, I, I definitely understand that angle. But, man, I just think that Kamala Kirk, that last performance against Maquan, and I know Maquan is uh you know pretty much done is he cut or not yet no but, you know he's got a fight coming up um but <clears throat> against grundy oh i got grundy in that one but i think uh <laughs> i think i think that was a good performance i thought he won every round honestly and i thought like he had some good submission attempts off his back like uh, i liked what i saw definitely an improvement from the billy q fight look it's a it's a tough one but I'm, I'm gonna go with the underdog as well but yeah i understand that if damon jackson can come out here and you know 
weasel out a, a, a grapple hug type of decision. Look, it, it's definitely possible. I mean, he is a vet. He does have those, you know, dirty tricks, those dirty vet tactics. So, you know, um, props to Jamin Jackson on a great 19 and four record. I honestly thought he lost more than that, to be honest. Well, he did because a couple got overturned. Oh, yeah. OK, I was like. You know those some of those Russians were on steroids and, and, and Brazilians too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Ronnie J. Then he did fight a lot of guys on steroids. That's unfortunate, but yeah. Um, but I'm gonna go with Camuela Kirk. I mean, he's got a good camp behind him. He's got my boy Coach Santino behind him. Not fight ready, but like a uh like a, a gym next to fight ready. But like you know, he's still going over there. He's still getting the, his, some sparring in. So yeah, you know, I don't go against fight ready. Now, next up in the Bantamweight division, we got a matchup between Trevin Jones. He's 13 and 7. He's he's welcoming Javid Basharat, who's 11 and 0 to the UFC. And currently they got Javid Basharat minus 145. The comeback on Trevin Jones is plus 125. I got to say, man, um, you know, out of all the guys making their debut on this card, I've been most impressed by Javid Basharat. Um Firstly, he's very long for the weight class, and he's nonstop, pushes a ridiculous pace. He's good everywhere the fight goes. He's got the volume on the feet, uh, on the mat. He can take people down. His ground and pound is on point. He can scramble back up to his feet. I literally like everything I've seen from Javid Bashrat. I guess the only, not criticisms, but worries are, you know, the level of competition he fought. I know it's easy to look on his record and say, oh, he beat a 16-0 guy. He bet he beat an 11-1 guy. But you look deeper into it, that 16-0 guy, you know, the 16-0 guy didn't fight anybody with a winning record until, like, his 12th fight. Like, <laughs> it was, like, one of the most padded records I've ever seen. And, like, the... You know, not so to bring this shit up, but the but the stuff that that kid was saying before the fight, like he he deserved the ass whooping that came his way, man. Like I can't vouch for him at all. With Trevin Jones, he's another guy that's he's truly paid his dues outside the UFC, inside the UFC. I mean, they gave him Valiev his first fight, they gave him Bautista <laughs> his second fight. He knocked both those guys out, but you know, Were they flukes. Well, that's the big question. Were they flukes? Well, the thing is, most of Trevin's fights outside the UFC, he wasn't out here knocking too many people out. So there's a chance that they were kind of flukish, and I don't want to discredit them. He He's still the guy that went out there and knocked out two very tough fighters that you don't often see get knocked out. So you got to give him credit. But I think that now we're starting to get back to reality, and I just think that Javid, basically, my only worry about Javid um, is he fights with his hands down a little bit. He might have a little tall man. Uh, defense. So that's the only thing I'm worried about. Trevin can crack. But if we're talking about minute by minute, second by second, I mean, Javid's going to be winning the minutes of this fight, period, point blank. It's just about, listen, man, don't get caught. Don't do something fucking stupid and you're going to win this fight. So I think this Javid's fight to come out here and uh, show people that he's actually someone to, to reckon with in the Bantamweight division. And he's a bright prospect. So I like Javid Bashrad to come out here and win this fight, Shaq. Yeah, man, Trevin, I mean, he came into the UFC uh, better than anyone. I mean, you knock out Timur of like that after taking the whooping that he did. Very, I mean, not impressive, but, I mean, showed a lot of heart. I mean, wow. I mean, because I consider Timur Valiev to be, you know, right outside the top 15, um, if not can compete or beat some of those guys. So I think... Uh, that was very impressive. And then Mario Bautista, I mean, hey, if you actually look at the judges' scorecards, Trevin actually won the first round. And then he and he goes out there and knocks him out. But the last one against, um, what's my kid, uh, uh, Kakramanov, like, man, like, I know he had multiple opponents. Maybe that contributed uh, to the, to the, 
to his performance like that, but that was bad, man. Like, cause that kid's very green, uh, Kakramano talented, but green. And, and I thought Trevin, honestly, that kid tried to give Trevin chances to creep back into the fight. And, and Trevin just honestly was completely out of it, man. I mean, he was closing his eyes and exchanges, you know, that's not a, that's not a good thing. And, Honestly, I think he's lost all his momentum. This guy, Basharat, man, I honestly liked what I see. Yeah, I agree. You know, down the line, he might run into problems with that tall man defense and maybe getting a little uh, over aggressive. But I think, honestly, some certain guys that he's going to be able to overwhelm and just kind of, in a way, intimidate them slash bully them. And that's exactly what happened in Trevor Jones' last fight. So, look, if Trevor makes a change and comes out here and lets his hands go and he does have what I like to call hood power, I mean, maybe he does Maybe he does catch uh, catch Bradshaw. But I think Bradshaw is going to come out here and honestly knock him out, man. I think he's going to come out and, and just move forward and overwhelm him and, and kind of just jump on him early. Now, next up in the flyweight division, we got a matchup between two vets at this point jj aldridge she's 10 and 4 taking on jillian robertson who is 10 and 6 and currently they got jillian robertson minus 130 the comeback on jj aldridge is plus 110 shaq we know the dynamic of this fight now when i say that um let's not and what i mean by that is you know jj being more of you know kind of a point striker taking on jillian who wants to take your back and choke you out um but what i wanted to say was you know jj is a brown belt in jiu-jitsu she's not necessarily some slouch on the map but we've seen jillian have so much success in that realm i mean how, how do you see this one going i mean is it back to what you know the great eddie alvarez used to say about uh jillian where she can't get that early sub and she's gonna break or, or are we kind of past those days yeah, man. I mean, look, she is a good grappler, man, 100%. So probably one of the better ones in, in that division. So I think, honestly, she might be a little better than, um, I mean, I think she's gotten better. I mean, she's been in the UFC quite a time now. So, you know, she's growing pain, some losses, some wins. And, you know, I guess she's a, a vet now. JJ, solid. I mean, good left hand. You know, I think she's Solid. I mean, she beat a couple of good black belts in the past, uh, like Pollyanna Viana. Um, who else has she beaten? Um, bring up, bring up JJ's record. She beat that last girl. What's her name? Vanessa. Yeah. She Courtney Casey fight. Yeah. I mean, JJ's solid, man. She's um got good boxing. Um, you know, she trains with Pat Barry in them. So, you know, she she's solid. Look, I think. Jillian's style, honestly, man, is hard to deal with. If she gets on top of you, it's problems. I mean, she uh, she does her thing in that stuff. So I think that, honestly, I am leaning her way. But watch me say that now and everything that Eddie Alvarez said uh, comes back to light because I, I already know what's going to happen if this stays on the feet. But honestly, I think she she has been moving a little better on the feet, not necessarily offensively, not, not much to offer there, but she, you know, she's protecting herself um, in those exchanges with Priscilla. We know the type of bombs Priscilla throws and, you know, she, she was moving around, move, moving her feet. So yeah, I'm gonna go with Jillian to, to do her thing, man, get on top and, and, do her little um, jujitsu, her jujitsu game. Yeah, and I mean, honestly, I can see what uh, you're saying happening for sure, and that outcome will not surprise me one bit. But I'm going to go on the opposite side on this one, man. I think that one thing about uh, JJ that I like is that you know, she doesn't take too many unnecessary risks standing. She keeps her distance really well. Her parrying game is on point, and she's got uh, her, her stand-up uh, acumen is 
way higher than Jillian's. And if she can stuff these first few takedowns, I think that Jillian's then going to start flopping to her back. And that's where JJ can kind of take advantage, you know, whether she gets on top of her or whether she, you know, makes her get back up and, and take some more. So this one is, is a fight that could go either way because if Jillian does get on top of her, Listen, JJ is a brown belt, so I think that she can survive. It's just, you know, you don't want to give Jillian that one path to victory um, that she has. So give me JJ to kind of neutralize Jillian and come out here and win this decision. Now, now featured prelim in the 170-pound division, we got Matt Semmelsberger. He's 9-3, and three, taking on AJ Fletcher, who was 9-0. and oh. And currently, they got Matt Semmelsberger, minus 210. The comeback on AJ Fletcher is plus 175. So I've seen that AJ uh, Fletcher is the most popular underdog, uh, you know, on the, the MMA Twitter scene. And listen, I mean, the kid's undefeated. He's definitely built like a tank. Um, I've seen him knock people out with flying knees. I've seen him go out there mixing takedowns. He's a brown belt in jiu-jitsu. Uh, I know he's got the backing of our boy Dustin Poirier. He's from Louisiana. So... I mean, I got nothing bad to say about A.J. Fletcher. Uh, you know, maybe the level of competition has been suspect. I mean, not maybe. It has been suspect. Um, but at least he's handled these guys accordingly, right? Like, you got to understand, you know, one fight ago, he fought a three and four guy. A fight before that, he fought Wesley Golden, who, no offense to Wesley Golden, you know, I like the kid. It's just, you know, here on the NFC scene, Wesley Golden's the guy they bring in to give our guys, you know, that big win. Like, you remember when they brought in Wesley Golden and our boy Chaz Walton knocked him out in under a minute? You remember when they brought in Wesley Golden and Jared Gooden absolutely mopped the floor with him? Now, to uh, A.J. Fletcher's credit, that fight starts, A.J. drops him in the first second and then, you know, goes out there and uh, chokes him out. So he's been doing his thing. I just think he's been doing his thing against subpar competition. The best guy he fought was that Italian guy on Contender Series. And let me just tell you, that guy ain't going to make it to the UFC anytime soon. So he's literally never fought anybody. And and to take it a step further, I do have questions about him in this weight class. I think he might be, look, I know I know he's cocked. I know he's ripped. But I think he actually might be more of a 55er if they can get him with the PI, get him with the right people. Um, and with Matt Semmelsberger, here's the interesting thing about him. So initially, I was under the impression, Shaq, because you remember he was supposed to fight Phil Rowe in his uh, UFC debut. Phil actually had to pull out the fights, and then they brought in this Carlton Minus kid. Um, I was under the impression then, because I watched Semmelsberger's regional fights, I kind of thought that the dude like was nothing special and like was just like, oh, man, this guy's going to wash out the UFC pretty quick. And I got to tell you what, he's really impressed me. Now, guys, I'm not going to sit here and put stock into knocking out that fucking four and two, you know, Diaz training partner. I'm not going to put stock into knocking out Jason Wood. At least knock, at least he handled them accordingly. Yeah, Jason out in 15 at, at least he knocked them <laughs> both out in the first exchange. So credit where credit is due. But actually, the fight that impressed me the most um, when Matt Samuelsberger was actually his loss to Chaos Williams. Now, look, he definitely went out there and 100% lost that fight. No debate on my part, but he showed a lot. He showed heart. He showed grit. He showed he's willing to go toe-to-toe. One of the hardest hitters in the division. I mean, to, to put it in perspective, um, you know, Miguel Baeza couldn't, go, couldn't last three rounds with Chaos Williams. Abdul Razak Al-Hassan couldn't last three rounds with Chaos Williams. Alex Morano couldn't last three rounds or even 30 seconds with K with Chaos Williams. Now, this dude, Matt Semmelsberger, went out there and, and gave him a hard, honest fight. Again, I definitely scored it for Chaos, no questions asked, but 
that's a big sign of improvement compared to the regional fights I saw from Semmelsberger. So at least I know he's trending in the right direction. And AJ Fletcher, I think he's got a bright future for sure. But I just kind of think he's a little bit stiff standing. And while he might land a takedown or two, and I got to say that's one part of Semmelsberger's game that hasn't quite been tested in the UFC. So maybe Semmelsberger's a fish out of his back and can't back and can't get back up. You know, maybe that's the case. It's just I think these fights have been a little bit too easy for Fletcher, and I don't think he's truly been tested yet. Whereas I keep going back to that chaos fight, like that's that uh, Semmelsberger got tested, and I mean he didn't he didn't punk out, man. So at this point in their respective careers, I gotta go with Semmelsberger to win this fight. Yeah, man, I think honestly Semmelsberger has probably had one of the best situations you can have coming into the UFC. I mean, he came into the UFC green, maybe like what six, seven and two, six and two, something like that. And uh, he, I mean, look, he fought part. You remember my boy Pardon Shock um, from World from World Series of Fight. He fought him to get into the to the UFC. Side, side note, y'all got to check out that Justin Gate yeah, Nug fight. And, uh, you know, so Simmelsberger, he's got an opportunity to, to come in here, groom himself in with a couple of easy fights like the Alaskan kid uh, minus and um, the Diaz training partner, Jason Witt. Um, and then one fight against Chaos where he got to test. Look, he didn't pull the trigger in that fight, but it, it's kind of hard when you got Chaos swinging at you. I mean, he's, he's seen what that guy does in his fights. Um, and, and I think that Simmelsberger, I mean, had a good showing in that fight. He just didn't pull the trigger enough. Um, he got wobbled a couple of noses covered in blood. I mean, it, it, it happens. Um, honestly, man, I like how you brought up the, um, the AJ Fletcher 155 because to me, honestly, dude, I'm not, but his body just doesn't look, it looks weird to me in this weight class. Like I, I see Simmelsberger being way more physical, just stronger. Um, Simmelsberger is a former football player, division one. Um, I think, yeah, man, look, I think this is one of these typical cases where this nine and oh kid might, might get a rude welcoming to the UFC. Um, I think this fight honestly is a good spot for Simmelsberger, man. Um, AJ Fletcher can crack, but this is not the Italian kid um, from contender series anymore. And, and I just think the experience, like you brought up that chaos fight is, is what is going to be the difference maker here, man. Simmelsberger's felt real power before he's been in a real war before at least one, you know what I'm saying? Like he's been in there with chaos Williams for 15 minutes. So yeah, I, I think he's going to come out here and knock AJ Fletcher out. Honestly, AJ Fletcher, you know, he likes to throw the flying knees. He, he's got a, you know, he likes to take chances. It's just, I, I see that, uh, kind of either a gassing him out for down the stretch or you know getting getting countered and knocked out so yeah hey before we talk about this uh main card because you know bruno blindado silva is taking on alex Pereira first fight of the main card everybody do us a huge favor all 90 to 100 of y'all watching right now smash that like button for us and if you're not subscribed to the channel do us a huge favor and, and hit that subscribe button we truly appreciate it guys thank you very much so kicking off the main card we got an 185 pound matchup between bruno blindado silva he's 22 and 6 taking on alex Pereira, who is four and one but don't let the four and one fool you because this guy you know has an extensive kickboxing background now currently they got Alex Pereira minus 190 to come back on Bruno Blindado is plus 165. So here's the thing about this fight, man. Um, so obviously, I mean, when you talk about the kickboxing pedigree of a guy like Alex Pereira, I mean, knocked out Israel Desanya, beat Israel Desanya by decision, knocked out Dustin Jacoby. I mean, glory champ. I mean, this guy, 
I mean, if, they, if these two were in the glory ring with the, uh, is it 12 ounce gloves, 10 ounce gloves? Someone, someone let us know in the comments. You get my point. You know, if, they, if this was in the glory ring, I think Alex Pereira absolutely mops the floor with Bruno. But this is an MMA fight, man. And MMA is completely different. Even in the striking realm, the distance is different. The gloves are different. Everything is different. The threat of the takedown is there. Now, while Bruno Silva, you know, he's had 28 pro, pro fights, never had a, a submission win. What he has had is a couple ground and pound wins. And I'm telling you all right now, he gets on top of Alex Pereira. And uh, I think he will have some vicious ground and pound for him. And to take it a step further, man, um, if he's able to close the distance, because you know that size and reach advantage of Alex Pereira, I think that that dirty boxing is in play too. Um, so to me, I actually took Bruno Silva here at plus 170 odds. And I understand why people might think that's stupid. I mean, look, again, if Bruno Silva wants to have a, di a distance kickboxing match with Alex Pereira, then he, you know, he deserves to get knocked out, and I deserve to lose his bet. But I, I just don't see a guy with 28 pro fights. Uh, you know, uh, we're talking about a guy who went to Russia and knocked out Alexander Shlomenko, knocked out Artem Frolov, comes to the UFC, knocks out every single person he's fought. Um, I think he's experienced and seasoned enough. Because if you actually go back and watch his fight on the Ultimate Fighter against Lex Luthor of Vitor Miranda, where he did get knocked out with a head kick, like dude, like Bruno was like fat in that fight bruno like had no muscle no nothing and i think that fight might have actually been the wake-up call because you look at him now dudes rip like no one's business he got on a good uh you know supplement plan uh to say the least right my boy's definitely been taking his flintstone vitamins and i just think he's so much more experienced in this realm of the sport and a couple examples that come to mind and i know there might be a few you know differences with size and stuff like that but you know you, you look at a fight between uh roundtree and gokan saki you look at a fight between sergey karatanov and uh tyrone spong like sometimes these guys just need a little bit more seasoning in this respective sport to, to come out here and get the results they want now like i'm not surprised he knocked out michaelitis michaelitis no disrespect all you know not none at all but i i seriously don't think he'll be in the ufc this time next year whereas i think bruno might be close to you know a top 20 well he is number 23 in the world i think he might be close to maybe hitting the top 15 here so i'm actually at plus 170 odds i gotta roll with bruno silva here um again if he does a kickboxing uh, a distance kickboxing match with Pereira, i deserve to lose his bet but i think he's gonna get in on the inside do some dirty boxing mixing a takedown or two and, and uh, knock him out with ground and pound so give me bruno blindado silva to get this upset here yeah, this is a, this is a great matchup. I agree with pretty most of everything. I mean, Bruno, I, I definitely think it could be lying closer. I mean, Bruno's got way more experience. Um, Alex Pereira's not that experienced in MMA. He's only got five fights. Um, Bruno also knocked out his teammate, Wellington. You know, um, Wellington's been one of the guys that has been getting um, Alex uh, Alex's takedown and clinch and Glover to share and all them. So, you know, Bruno's got, he's got experience with this camp and, and man, Bruno Silva is very underrated to me, man. Like, not anything blows you out the water besides the the vicious knockout power. Like, um, but you know, I I think the same thing could be say said in reverse. Like, I think what he's done in the UFC is great, dude. Like, dude, some of these knockouts are vicious, but you know, Andrew Sanchez isn't. You know, that's kind of like a, a a lay and pray type of guy. You know, uh, my boy Beverly Hills Ninja. 
you know, he's got some knockouts, but I got Alex Fair over that guy too. Um, and, um, you know, Wellington, you know, a young Schlemanko. kid, you know, Schlemank, you know, 40 years old. Like, <laughs> I think, uh, I think uh, Alex Pereira is one of these guys where, you know, if he doesn't go to his back, if you get caught out in space with this guy for even a minute at a time, it, it's problems. I mean, just ask just Dustin Jacoby and, and uh, ask Israel Adesanya, you know, I think, um, look, if Bruno gets on top of him, that ground and pound is, is some of the best in the middleweight division, 100%. I mean, uh, I've seen him knock guys out with that ground and pound at least three or four times. And Alex is definitely going to be in trouble. And and one thing I don't like with Alex is I don't like all this Adesanya talk, man. Like, bro, you only got one fight. Like, like, bro, Adesanya, like, bro, you got to. I mean, I, I do think if he won, they try to fast track him. But, like, bro, you got to knock this guy out first before you can even <laughs> speak Adesanya's name, you know. I'm only saying all this stuff that Adesanya scared of you and all this stuff. Um so, yeah, look, I think it's a dog or pass situation as where the uh, line is right now. I don't think you can trust a 4 and one guy with one win over Mikelitis. But as far as a pick goes, I think Bruno Silva is going to come out here and he's going to try to get um, Pereira down. But I think Glover Teixeira is going to have his clinch and defense ready. And I think when they separate, he's going to make a mistake and get knocked out. So I'm going with Alex Pereira to 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 continue and maybe maybe uh Get on the mic and say some stuff to Izzy. We'll see. <laughs> now, next up in the lightweight division, we got a matchup between Drew Dober, who's 23 and 11, taking on Terrence McKinney, who's 12 and 3. And currently, they got Drew Dober minus 165. The comeback on Terrence McKinney is plus 145. So, obviously, I was very wrong about Terrence McKinney's last fight. I do want to say, like, um, you know, he didn't even land a takedown in that fight. Ferreziam throws a kick and falls over. And now, now credit to credit to the scrambling ability of McKinney. He did a fantastic job there. And if I'm wrong about this kid McKinney, I'm the first. I'll be the first one to admit it. But this is the fight that's going to let me know. Um, listen, Drew Dober, grizzled vet of the sport. But one issue he's had is, you know, that takedown defense. Now he's gotten a lot better about scrambling up to his feet. It's just guys on a certain level will be able to tap him out. Now, I did see him escape an Islam Makachev armbar and end up on top at the end of the first round. So I know he's got something. I know he can get back to to his feet. It's just now we got to find out truly how good Terrence McKinney is. Um, uh, and, again, as of right now, what I think, based off what I've seen, if this goes past the first round, I do think the odds – increased dramatically towards drew dober's favor but i could be dead wrong on that maybe mckinney's a new man at 55 maybe mckinney maybe i was just wrong about him and i got no issues admitting if i was wrong or not all i gotta say is this is the fight that's going to let me know that so what i think happens is i think terrence probably takes him down in that first round um but if uh dober can survive and get to the second and third that's where i think dober can kind of start to take over so i'm gonna go with dover to uh to win this fight but my gut's been telling me all week it's a trap. Um, so I'm actually going to stay away. I just want to sit back, watch this fight, see what happens, and it'll give me a good assessment of where both guys are in their respective careers. But I'll take Dober late. Yeah, this is one of the, the, the tougher ones for me, honestly, man. Look, I, I like Dober. I've been a fan. I, I love his fighting style. He comes out to, to fight every single time. Very positive guy as well. I mean, I don't think is really too much negative in these last two losses. Um, the Islam fight, I mean, that was expected. And, okay, the Brad Riddell fight, he got out grappled by, um, you know, a striker at 100%. And, and Dober, that's something he's always struggled with is, is that side. Um 
this is a tough one because momentum is a, is a strong thing in this sport and McKinney is hot right now. Um, I mean, McKinney is, he's got nothing to lose and that can be a, a dangerous man. And he's got tools, man. He's strong. He's got power. He's fast. I, I heard he was ranked in, in um, college wrestling as well. So like, I mean, Terrence McKinney, he's got, he, he might be a complete package, man. Um, he's experienced. He's already took some L's. So, you know, uh, maybe I was wrong about this guy as well. Um, Mm, this is tough because I do think that Drew Dober is known for his stand-up, but man, I do think Terrence McKinney might have the the power to kind of put him in his place a little bit. I mean, he's been knocking guys out in quick time. Um, Drew Dober has knocked guys out in quick time as well. Um, mm, I'll go the opposite side just to just to pick the underdog. Um, but yeah, man, I'm the. I, I, it wouldn't shock me if Drew, you know, taught this kid a vet lesson. I, I, like, you know, I just think he lost. I don't think there was like two like major mistakes besides that he's just not that good at grappling. Um, you know, I, I don't see Terrence. Uh, I see these two actually like slugging in the middle for some reason. I think they're gonna they're gonna fight like you know men in 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 there and they're gonna settle and see who's got the the bigger uh, knockout power. So, but I'm gonna go with Terrence. I think he's too high right now. Now, next up in the light heavyweight division, we got a match between Khalil Roundtree, who's nine and five, taking on Carl Roberson, who was nine and four. And currently, they got Carl Roberson minus one twenty-five. The comeback on Khalil Roundtree is plus one hundred five. So, I mean, on paper, it's striker versus striker. But in the past, we actually have seen Carl Roberson go out there hit takedowns. Whether you remember Joe Rogan was going crazy during that Jack Martian fight when. Uh, He's when, a future champ. When Carl Roberson was landing those takedowns, and we saw him choke out Darren Stewart early on in his career, he was promising early on. It's just we saw, you know, as as the fight started getting tougher, we saw you know the holes come out. If these two stand and bang, I do think that Khalil Roundtree has the speed advantage here. Uh, whereas I think Carl Roberson kind of likes to minimize exchanges, kind of make it a kind of slower paced fight. It's just about Khalil being on mentally. When Khalil is on mentally and he, and there's no takedown threat, I mean, the guy can be a serious problem. But sometimes, you know, he doesn't want to throw sometimes. So it's just about if Khalil shows up here, I think that he's too fast for a guy like Carl Roberson. I do see him winning this fight. But yeah, obviously there's some concerns. Both guys have been kind of flaky. I don't think either guy can be trusted. But I'm gonna lean with Khalil Roundtree uh, with the speed advantage here. Yeah, you know Khalil. It's actually funny. His last, his last fight was Modestus, right? Um, man, I actually picked him in that fight, um, and, and it was because like, man, Khalil is such a. It's a thing. It's a thing where, you know. In fights like Jan Kudalaba, where guys are going to be, you know, talking to him and, and, you know, getting in his face and playing games with him, those aren't the, those aren't good fights for Khalil. But I mean, when the, when the fights are, you know, just chill and he's, you know, having fun with his opponent, I mean, you remember when he was in Atlanta, he fought Eric Anders. I mean, he put on one of the, I mean, Khalil was dropping that dude all over the place, man. I mean, um, it's so hit or miss with this kid. It's unbelievable. I think Roberson for a while, probably since uh, he fought, my boy Mutanch Ferreira, I've been saying he's a little overrated, um, you know, but apparently I've been hearing he's been having the, the, some weight cutting, some weight cutting issues. He has been pulled off several cards uh, as a, not recently, but like the Marvin fight, you know. According to Marvin, the <laughs> weight cut related. <laughs> well, the funny thing is, you know, Marvin saw him in the hotel and he was like, oh, and Carl was like trying to fight him, I guess. And he was like, oh, so you can fight, you know, so like, you know, Marvin uh, just wanted to talk to him a little bit. But yeah, as far as the uh, this fight goes, I think Khalil's faster. I just think Roberson's a little bit more of a dog, um, a little tougher, possibly. It's just that, man, Roberson, like, 
this guy, uh, both of them, honestly. But, you know, I'll do Jota Roberson uh, just to be on the opposite side. It could go either way to me. But he is at a new camp now. I hear he's with uh, James, James Krause is going to be cornering him. You know, James Krause pulled off a big win last week, beat a daggy. So, you know, uh, may, maybe the uh, momentum is with Carl. And, you know, uh, I'm, I'm going to take Carl for a close one. So before we talk about this feature bout, everyone do us a huge favor, smash that like button. So feature bout in the featherweight division, we got Alex Bruce Leroy Caceres. He's 19 and 12, taking on Sodiq Youssef, who was 11 and 2. Currently, they got Sodiq Youssef minus 250. The comeback on Alex Caceres is plus 210. It's good to see Sodiq Youssef back in there. Uh, listen, Alex Caceres has definitely been doing his thing, um, been pretty much destroying everybody he's fought lately. But, you know, not to discredit his wins by any stretch of the imagination, but this is not Sung Woo Choi and Austin Springer anymore. This is not now we're dealing uh, with Sung Woo Choi pulled one of the bigger stunts of <laughs> of uh, that year, man. I mean, need him, you all, you knocked him out, and then you knee him, you know. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it was bad, man. So, um, listen, uh, I've been on Sodiq every single fight except the arnold allen fight um because i mean and firstly i gotta bet on arnold allen next week against uh, dan hooker but um i thought that the sodique versus arnold allen fight was one of the highest level prospect fights i've seen in a long time man and i find myself saying that a lot about sodique fights the sodique versus mike davis fight back in the day um and uh, listen I, I do think Sodique's gonna walk him down we gotta watch out for alex you know running around on the outside kind of trying to point him up a little bit maybe land an opportunistic straight left or a high kick or something like that or take his back and choke him out alex has got vet tricks he's been doing this for a long ass time he's got all my respect and the fact that he made it to the top 15 if you would have told me bruce leroy would be in the top 15 a few years back i would have laughed in your face and the, my only concern with sodique is you know he had a really rough bout with covid but according to people in his camp that i've talked to um he's back at 100 he, he he sought out some serious medical uh treatment uh in a different country and you know, uh, I don't know how much of that I can talk about, but let's just say I'll, I'll, I'll let you know. After, but like, <laughs> let, let's just say like a, what I've heard is he's back to 100 percent. And if that's truly the case, I think he's going to come down here, walk him down. That that Nigerian power is something that can be messed with. And so deep crown game is very underrated, too. You saw that Kimura sweepy hit on Andre Feely. I don't think it's as simple as just taking his back and choking him out. If that happens, prop, props to the vet Caceres. But I think so deep comes out here and uh kind of bullies him a little bit and, and i do have a bet on sodique at minus 220 so let, let's get it sodique yeah I, th I think uh sadiq is gonna bounce back you know from that fight with arnold allen look arnold allen's undefeated in the ufc um caceres i mean he's a vet man I, nothing but respect been a fan you know he comes from that from that backyard scene with masvidal and, and all those dudes in miami so camino caceres is a real one um look sadiq it's definitely chinny 100 i mean i've seen sadiq wobbled a lot <laughs> um and i mean the way the way he fights i mean that's always gonna that's always gonna be uh an issue i mean he puts himself on, on the line to put that pressure on his opponent so he's got to be careful about that left hand that left kick alex caceres has dropped a lot of people but I, can alex take his shots i've seen alex also as well hurt several times and against lesser guys we're talking about guys like martin bravo we're talking about guys like you know um who, who did he, uh, what was his last loss? I mean, he just got rocked his last fight. So, you know, um, there was a uh, one I had in my mind, though, that he lost. Like, it was bad, too. Oh, yeah, Wang Guan. Man, what happened to that guy? Crone Gracie, too. Wang Guan yeah. retired. Yeah. You know, um, but this ain't Chase Hooper and Steve Peterson. Yeah, Kevin I mean, Kroon. look, he's got. 
it's been fine you know easy guys guys that you know i, I not expect but you know he's he's better than those guys i think yusuf is just too physical a guy that puts pressure on you i mean if that fight with arnold allen had two more rounds i don't know if arnold arnold could have kept going i mean a hand was severely compromised uh, i mean he was huffing and puffing i think sadiq had a good show and he just you know got caught with the head kick one time i believe and um dropped with the left you know so i think he'll bounce back um I see him and my boy Algio. They've been doing. I guess Algio came in and and played uh, Caceres. I'm wondering how that works, but you know, I think uh, Sadiq's gonna get this job done. Man. Cole main event of the evening in the bantamweight division. We got a match between Marlon Moraes. She's 23 and nine, taking on Song Yudong, who's 18 and five. And currently, they got Song Yudong minus 250. The comeback on Marlon Moraes is plus 210. Um, listen, man, we've been saying this since even before Marlon Marais's uh, current skid that, you know, any single time Marais has been past the first round, things have gotten sketchy. And now they're getting even sketchier than ever. And with this kid, Song Yudong, I mean, we always knew he had hands, but now he's starting to develop all parts of his game. I love that when he gets taken down, he doesn't get held down for extended periods of time. He's always scrambling to get back up to his feet. That right hand is money, and the dude can take a shot. I saw him eat a head kick by Kyler Phillips and just smile at him and walk forward. The dude's got a granite chin. And he's only 24 years old. He's just a kid, <laughs> yeah, man. <right. laughs> he's, he's getting better every single time. Um, uh, I mean, he looks young. No, I'm me. Saying he's 24. He's like, he, he, I think he actually might legit be 24. Yeah. Um, but uh, Marlon Marash, look, we know the deal here. He's explosive. He can knock a lot of people out that head kick that left hook i mean that guillotine i mean marlon mirage is a devastating first round finisher the only issue is there's always been those cardio concerns when fights go past round one but now there's a durability concern and there were there were dur durability concerns coming into the ufc because he had some knockout losses outside but we thought maybe he patched up a couple things but now he's been knocked out in four of his last five and this is a setup fight for song Yudong to get back on track you know i i think that marlon mirage did this camp and um uh, Tiger Muay Thai, uh, you know, training with Peter Yan and good for him. You know, he probably got some great looks there, but, you know, I, I think it's desperation. I also heard he was dealing, he had to take 11 days off training, dealing with a bad COVID situation. So look, if he comes out here and he knocks out, you know, Yadong in the first round or submits him, you know, then props to him. But I don't see that happening. And I, and I think that the difference here is that when it's time for Song to land his shots, I don't think Marais is going to – I don't think he's going to like it. I don't think he's going to react well. And that's where I think the fight's going to be taken out of him. So give me Song Yudong to come out here and knock out Marlon Marais. And I also took Song Yudong straight in the spot. Yeah, I think uh, Marlon Marais, honestly, he um, – like I've been saying it since before the Henry Cejudo fight that – I think that this guy hasn't really been pushed. I mean, he just came out and knocked Sterling out, what, less than a minute and some change. Uh, Jimmy Rivera about less, less than, than a minute. minute. Um, you know, how much? How long was uh, the Sterling fight? A minute seven. Yeah, so, like, I think, like, once he fought Henry, I mean, it was just logical that you had to take Henry because Henry's a dog. We know Henry's going to push in the late rounds. We know Henry Cejudo ain't getting finished. And I think that's pretty much the game plan for, for Song here. I mean, you know what to do. You know that, look, Marlon Moraes, when things hit the fan, he, he doesn't respond the best. Even the one fight that he won against Jose Aldo, which I actually thought he won, but I know a lot of people... A lot of people think that um, he didn't. I mean, it just hasn't been the same since. And um, 
I think it's just kind of like similar to Edson Barboza from last week. And, you know, they're actually both teammates, but look at those frames, man. So muscular. So, so ripped up. I mean, you look at him and you're like, man, how is this guy struggling like this? And, you know, it's just that, that type of frame, they gas out so quick, you know, look at the fight versus Marab. I mean, he's got Marab all on ice skates. I mean, all over the place, a couple shots away from getting finished. And he's so out of control. He can't realize the, you know, just take a step back and you'll probably land one head kick and this guy will probably be unconscious, but he's just swinging shots and just out of, you know, out of control. And then he gasses himself out and has nothing left. And that's happened how many times in a row now, even Rob Font, you know, was, uh, I, you know, and I've actually been cashing against my rice. So, you know, I bet on Rob Font, bet on Cejudo. Um, so, yeah, man, I think that Yadong, one thing I like about the Yadong, he hasn't been dropped, you know. I mean, uh, somebody else can show me something else, but like he hasn't been dropped in the, Not UFC. In the UFC. He hasn't been dropped in the maybe that Russian that he fought when he was a kid, but he hasn't been dropped in in the UFC. Um, I've seen him eat full shin on forehead and not be phased at all by uh, Kyler Phillips. So you know, if Marlon Marais does happen to land a shin, <laughs> you know, on his head, I think that he can eat it. And one thing I like about Song, he's tough. He's got a lot of heart. He's been in wars. Like, you know, he definitely had a couple of, you know, iffy performances like Cody Stamen and, and Kyler Phillips, but he was young and, you know, he had to have some uh, growing pains. But look at that fight against Marlon Vera, the heart that he displayed. I mean, Vera was going to the body in the late rounds and Song Yudong had to hold on and, and to get this win. And that's exactly what he did. So I think he's shown signs along the way. That last performance was the best he ever looked against Ars. And I think he's going to come out here and, and probably knock Marlon out, but Marlon out. But even if it goes longer, I mean Marlon's not exactly known for for uh, winning late rounds. So I'm gonna go with Song Yudong as well. And I just want to make one comment about the Aldo fight. Yeah, I'm not gonna dispute the decision, but what I will say is this. Aldo literally was so cocky in that fight. He was smiling the entire time, walking down Marais. He didn't respect him at all that actually Aldo did some uncharacteristic stuff was lunging in the shots and actually gave up a takedown that might have cost him the fight there but like Aldo like did not respect him at all and he, like I said he was smiling Marlon the entire used to get time knocked out at yeah <laughs> right, right. so that was really about Aldo you know a little bit more composure from Aldo and he wins that fight he just got a little cocky and carried away um, so yeah, I, I'm going at Dong as well. So we're going to talk about the main event here, but before we do that, I got to give a shout out to our sponsor prize picks. And now's a good time to spark up that blunt. Um, so everybody do us a huge favor and smash that like button. We truly appreciate all you guys being here for us. It means the world. So guys, prize picks, in my opinion, is the simplest and easiest way to make money on daily fantasy sports. Um, and all our listeners, you guys will receive an hundred percent instant deposit match up to a hundred dollars using our code battle. And they're the simplest fantasy game on the market. You pick two to five players from any sport and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. And again, you don't have to deal with you versus thousands of stats nerds who you know they got these optimizers and all you don't got to worry about any of that shit it's just you you see a projection you disagree with you hammer it the over under on significant strikes for sergey spivak last week was 34 i mean he took him down one time and the fight was over shortly after he didn't even need 34 strikes to get that guy hardy out of there so when you see these grapplers and they over and yeah, and they they over inflate their uh, over unders on significant strikes. You you smash those spots. So if the if the Jillian Robertson number is kind of off this week, take full advantage. So guys, use our code Battle um, for Prize Picks. Download the app or go to the website. And uh, yeah, let's get this money because Prize Picks is the easiest way, in my opinion, to make money on daily fantasy sports. Now, 
Main event of the evening in the light heavyweight division. We got Tiago Majeta Santos. He's 22 and 9, taking on Magomed Ankalev, who is 16 and 1. And currently, they got Magomed Ankalev minus 550, so minus 800 in other spots. The comeback on Tiago Santos is plus 425. So, like I said at the beginning of the show, I mean, Tiago Santos is a guy that he's fought the last three light heavyweight champions. He knocked down uh, Glover Teixeira, he knocked out. Uh, Jan Blahovich, and he went to a split decision with John Jones. So that's right there, pretty fucking badass. Not to mention, he's got some of the most knockouts in the history of the sport. We've seen body kicks, we've seen head kicks, we've seen punches, we've seen it all. Uh, Tiago Santos, when he's on his game, he's a motherfucker. I just feel like um, he was the first guy to beat Elias Theodoro. Uh, that was a good. <laughs> Somehow Elias survives. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, when Tiago's on his game, he's as dangerous as anybody. The thing is, I feel like since he had the John Jones fight, not only was it a letdown not, not winning that fight, but he's, his knees have completely fallen apart. And you've seen a lot of lackluster performances. The Rockage fight, the Johnny Walker fight. I even said after the Johnny Walker fight, make sure you all fade both those guys, their, their next fights. Um, and, obviously, we faded Johnny Walker against Jamal Hill. That was easy work. Um, I think this fight might be a little bit different now. Not necessarily in the outcome. I definitely see Magomed winning. Um, it's just that, you know, Magomed can sometimes play it safe a bit, um, which can be a good thing because, you know, his counters are so goddamn sharp. Um, but there are questions about if he gets pushed later, you know, uh, not that he's not out here running his miles, but, you know, we have seen him slow down maybe a little bit here and there. We don't know what happens when he truly gets cracked. So, and Tiago Santos can, you know, one big body kick, one big head kick, the right punch lands. And, you know, he can have success against anyone. But at the end of the day, I think Magomed Ankaliev is trending upwards. I think that he will get a title shot at some point. And I think that the new era of light heavyweights are emerging. The Yuri Prohaskas, the Jamal Hills, the Magomed Ankaliev's. Um, yeah, so guys like that are going to be the future of the division. And it just bums me out that John Jones isn't the champ anymore. Because like I said at the beginning of the show, when John Jones was champ, he'd have like a 10-inch reach advantage mm, over these guys. Boy Ratchet. He, he'd, uh, oh, yeah, Rockets too. Um, he'd fucking be five inches taller than all these guys. Now these up-and-coming light heavyweights can match the athleticism, the, the, the size, and now it's all about the skill. So that's why I'm bummed out Jones isn't in the division anymore. Um, and that's not to discredit the amazing champion. That, yeah, so you're saying that John had it easy is what you're saying. I mean, listen, <laughs> he, he, beat, he beat everyone they put in front of him. Yeah. But that's why now that the sports evolved, because you got to understand, he was like champ 10 years yeah, ago. John's been fighting um, for like now. How like, long has John been fighting, bro? Like at least 15 years. I just want to see how he deals with um, these up and coming guys. John Jones, if he was at 205. But that being said. I think it's going to be a chess match for a little bit, actually. I don't think anybody's going to go too crazy in the early going. I think that, you know, these guys are going to feel each other out. But at some point, I see Ankalev, you know, maybe landing a big counter, maybe taking him down, landing some ground and pound. Um, we haven't seen his ground and pound since back in the day, but it is very vicious. So I'm not sure how it happens, but I, but obviously, you know, Ankalev, I think he wins this fight. And I think the line, you know, shows that. Yeah, to be honest, man. I, I agree with the, uh, you know, ankle leave might kind of play it safe sometimes, might, you know, kind of point it up sometimes, be real safe with the, with the, his approach. But, you know, we have seen him uh, explode into some KOs. Granted, it was against guys like Kudalaba. We know those are lesser than Mahedda Santos. But I think these kind of guys give Mahedda, honestly, a little more trouble, man. Like, you look at the, the Ratchet fight, and it was, I, I know some people think it was close, but I thought, I mean, I thought it was a clear Ratchik win. And I mean, he just oh, kind of wasn't. Sorry to cut you off. A fight can be close, but still have yeah, a clear yeah, winner. You know what I'm saying? It was a close fight, but it was a 
Ratchet, you know, won that fight. And, you know, he didn't pull the trigger. Then Johnny Walker, they're fainting on the outside, literally just exchanging feints, not throwing. Um, the Glover Teixeira fight, I mean, he dropped him and, you know, his pre- his grappling preparation, like, where was I? I mean, Glover does 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 that to pretty much everyone. So maybe maybe I'm wrong about that. But, you know, I think, uh, yeah, I think Ankaliev, you know, I agree. Like, the early portion is going to be close. Like, you know, save, he's going to protect himself. But I like I like Ankaliev's defense. He protects himself. He keeps his hands up by his ears. You know, he doesn't he doesn't try to take uh, unnecessary shots. And I think that he's just going to be in control of this fight, and you're going to have him ahead on not pulling the trigger, man. I think um, clearly these type of slow-paced on the outside fights uh, are causing him confusion, and he's not and he's not pulling the trigger, man. So I think Ankaliev's going to come in here and win a decision. I think he he got to Vegas a little early this time. You know, he this is a main event. Um, he's been in, in, in at Extreme Couture for at least a month now. So we'll see. Um, we'll see if he looks better, and I think uh, he's going to get the win here, man. Like you said, two hundred five is changing. You got Jamal Hill, Ankaliev, um, Ratchik, um. These guys are are Jerry. getting Jerry. These guys are getting ready to usher the the Blakoviches, the Dominic Reyes's, the you know possibly Glover Glover Teixeira's, um, you know, out I believe, you know, um, who else is a aging two hundred five? Um, you know, you know, all those guys. <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, so, for yeah. sure, for sure. All right, so now we got to talk about the fight to watch and the fighter to watch. So, uh, Shaq, in your opinion, what is the fight to watch for UFC Vegas uh, uh, one fifty? Um, my fight or to 50, excuse me. my fight to watch is Dober versus Terence McKinney. I mean, the lightweight division once again is the best division in the UFC, and Dober. I never miss a Drew Dober fight. I mean, Dober is like one of them dudes you can count on for some serious action. Dober comes to fight every single time. Um, and Terrence McKinney is doing the same thing. I mean, this kid's coming out here blitzing guys and just running through them. Like, I, I want to see if, if he does this to Drew Dober. Like, holy shit. Like, damn, then you really got to put him in the, uh, give him a top 15 uh, fight next. Then guys like Patty Pimlin might be calling him out, you know, instead of the other way around. So we'll see. Um, that's my fight to watch though. Yeah, I mean, that's a great fight to watch. Remember, fight to watch is Bruno Blindado Silva versus Alex Pereira. Name the last Bruno Blindado Silva fight that was boring. You can. I mean, this guy's a knockout artist through and through. Alex Pereira, one of the best kickboxers of all time. And I have a feeling that this fight is not, I mean, it's like minus 600 to not go the distance. So for that reason, I mean, how can you miss this fight? It's going to be guaranteed I violence. I actually heard in Brazil, this is like a big fight, like in Brazil, like, like, like everybody's I everybody's gonna watch it. <laughs> like it's like Blindado and Pereira. Like holy shit. Yeah, Brazilian uh, bragging rights. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Bruno versus uh, Alex is my fight to watch. Shaq, who's your fighter to watch? Um, my fighter to watch is gonna be Sadiq Yusuf. Look, he's got to stay uh, stay in this race. You know, I feel like he's kind of lost some steam. You know that he's been out so long. This is a this is a good opportunity for him to come out here and get a finish win over a guy like Bruce Leroy, and he needs to get back you know in the in the mix here with the the arnold allens and the um and the masvari vloyevs and the Taporias and you know things like that so i'm excited to see what uh yusuf has you know on, on saturday night we know he dishes out some of the you know best power at 145 very exciting fights and um you know bruce leroy man that's a tough test like i know he's got a, a ugly record but he's been in the ufc for like a while man it's 25th or 26th fight yeah, like all pretty much like all his fights are in the ufc besides like a couple so yeah man 
for me, my fighter to watch is Song Yudong, man. I mean, this is a kid who came into the UFC allegedly at like 19 years old, and he's like 7-1-1 one, one in the UFC, fought some really tough competition, beat some really tough competition, and name-wise, this is the biggest step up in his career. And if he wants to head into the top 10, this is the kind of guy you got to beat. Um, and Marlon Marais is desperate for a win. He knows that his career is on the line. Um, so I think that he's going to come out hard against Yudong. And if Yudong comes out here and knocks him out, like I think he's going to do, Watch out, man. This kid's going to be a problem. So Song Yudong is my fighter to watch. Well, guys, we did it. It's going out this Saturday night live at the Apex. Everyone do us a huge favor. Smash that like button. Um, and also, guys, comment on this. Uh, like it. Subscribe. Share. Tweet. All those kind of things help out the channel. And then also hashtag thank you, Shaq, man. You know, Shaq, you've been a huge part of the show, bro. The door is always open for you anytime. Um, we're wishing you the best. You know, there's things bigger than just talking about fights and podcasting, but you know, more importantly than that, you're my brother for life and, uh, the door is always open for you. So thank you, Shaq. Oh yeah, man. No problem. And you know, likewise as well, bro, you already know. So, you know, I, I appreciate everyone, man. Like I'm all, I'm still going to be, I'm not disappearing on, you know, I'm still going to be on Twitter. Um, you know, and I appreciate all the love, not just right now, but just all over time. I mean, I appreciate it all. Like, you know, all of y'all are like my little homies in a way. So, you know, appreciate all the love. And, um, you know, I'm still here on Twitter, man. Hit me up. Like, still on Twitter, still going to be around. Just, you know, need to need to take care of some things in my personal life, man. You know, sometimes you got to step away to just, you know, get better mentally physically you know that whole all that good stuff not gonna get into too much details but it is what it is man i love all y'all so you know thanks yeah you got my full support bro so thank you all so much uh for all for everything for the support the likes the retweets the shares y'all sticking with us all these years uh, i'll be back on tuesday night i actually got the man with the most submission wins in middleweight history gerald mirchart he's gonna be GM3. on the show gm3 and then thursday gonna break down uh the ufc london card so look forward to that everybody thank you so much for everything and until the next time let's cash these bets